Alright, well good morning everybody. How's everybody doing? You guys doing good? Doing good. Alright. Well just a reminder, next week you need to remember to change your clocks as we spring forward. The time changes next week. So, hello spring. Uh, it's, right, it's coming, so it's here. Um, but anyway, uh, that's next week. Uh, tonight we will have our Bible study. You've already got it. Starts at 6 o'clock here. And um, we're going to try to think of any other announcements we have. We have Elios this week and Bible studies uh, next weekend and whatnot. We had a good time with the men yesterday. Uh, powerful time uh, talking about the gospel of God's kingdom. And it was a good time. Good turnout. And uh, anyway, it was a good time. All right, well, this morning we're going to continue our series on wisdom. Wisdom being the principal thing. And, uh, and our, 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 our verse that we've been springing this whole message off of. Let me just switch to PowerPoint here. It's uh, found in Proverbs 4, 7. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And then all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Let me just make this uh, one more announcement too. I know I already got started. But we are in the process of getting a new camera. We are in the process of upgrading our, our whole live stream video. Uh, bear with us. And that is going to be changing uh, within this month. Uh, we will probably be purchasing the camera this week. And uh, we are uh, going to need some other uh, connectors and whatnot, but uh, bear with us. We are looking at a major change in our live streaming as well as uh, our website. Our website should be done this month as well. And all that's connected, but anyway, I just make the advertisement. We still need a few more funds to, to finish everything we want to do with that. Uh, so, but at that point in time, we are going in that direction, and that should be, you should see some changes within the next few weeks. Okay? Back to our program here, but wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And we've been talking about this, and uh, last, um, uh, two weeks ago we had kind of an introductory message, and then last week we talked about two kinds of wisdom. The wisdom of man, and the wisdom of God. And we're still going to kind of be uh, addressing that as we go forward, but today I want to kind of talk about the source of wisdom. I was hoping by now that we would get into... The pillars of the seven pillars of wisdom, but there's just been some other things in my heart that I just feel like we need to, to address before we get into uh, the seven pillars of wisdom. But by and large, we are also talking about how because wisdom is the principal thing, we need to go get it. And if we need to go get it, we need to know where it's at. We need to know the source of that wisdom. If we're going to go get something, like someone says, "Can you please go get?" I don't know. Uh, go get my water bottle, or I need to know where the water bottle is so I can go get it. Uh, you know, and so and we need to know where the source and where where to find this wisdom, so that in all when we get to the seven pillars, we know how to build our house, we know how to build our lives, we know how to build our ministries, we know how to build our careers, we know how to build our families based on the wisdom of God and not the wisdom of man. Also, too, we need the wisdom of God because in these last days, the days are getting evil. The day of lawlessness is increasing, as we'll get into some of that today. Is we need wisdom, and we need wisdom in these last <coughs> excuse me these last days. And so, uh, because the wisdom of man, the philosophy of man, as Colossians says, 
Paul said the Colossians, is spoiling God's church. And we need to have the wisdom of God to function and discern between the wisdom of man and the wisdom of God in these last days. Today's message, I'm going to be answering kind of four questions. Not so much the fourth one, so we won't have, I don't think we'll get that far today. But I'm going to be answering these kind of interchangeably. But these four questions we're going to be looking at as we're talking about the source of God's wisdom. The first question is this, where is wisdom found? You say, go get wisdom. Well, <coughs> again, where is it? So we're going to discuss where wisdom is found. Second, <coughs> excuse me. Second question we're going to ask is, what is wisdom? We kind of tackled that a little bit in our first lesson. But we're going to revisit that and also tie in some things that we learned last week as well as this week. What is wisdom? <coughs> Excuse me. The third question we're going to ask is, <coughs> Excuse me. How do I get wisdom? So we're asking, where is wisdom? What is wisdom? And how do I get it? How do I get this wisdom? Even though we know where it's at, well, how do I get it? And then the fourth question we're going to look at, and I don't know if we'll get into that so much today, we'll refer to it, but how do I retain wisdom? So where is wisdom? What is wisdom? How do I get it? And how do I retain that wisdom? Okay? See, our culture today, our society, our world, is searching for wisdom. And there is wisdom out there, but it's the philosophy of man. It's the wisdom of man. And you, yet many, although the world, our society, is searching for wisdom, many are unwilling to accept, accept where it's found. Many people will come to us as, past, uh, us as pastors and ask us questions of wisdom. But when we tell them where that wisdom is found, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to listen. They don't want to go get it. Because they're not okay with where that wisdom is found. See, when you discover what wisdom is, and specifically the wisdom of God, you will discover it is more than just mental intellect. It is, more, it is not an exercise of the intellect. It's not an IQ exercise. It's not philosophy or ideology, if I'm saying that right. I'm not against philosophy in and of itself. Philosophy is just a way of thinking, a school of thought. But I am against philosophy when it's man's assessment, when it's man's opinion, when it's my reality. I'm okay with philosophy when it comes to what God says about it, when it's from his point of view, when it's from his perspective, when he is the source. When it's the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man. I, in that sense, I'm okay with that school of thought, that way of thinking. To be naturally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind. We don't want to be double-minded. In Christ, we have the mind of Christ. I want his philosophy. I want his input. But the wisdom of God is not mental, natural, intellect. That makes sense? But you will also discover when you when you when you when you discover wisdom, wisdom, the wisdom of God, will lead you on the path of God's power, God's blessing, 
in, in operation in your life. We kind of looked at that a little bit last week. But when you are operating in the wisdom of God, you will be operating in the power of God. You will be operating with the blessings of God. You know, when we're talking about we, we operating in God's wisdom, it's contingent to operating the blessings of God. It can sound like I'm talking about performance. I'm not talking about performance. I'm not talking about man. See, that, that's what the wisdom of man is. It's trying to work on its own source. But if we're not connected to the vine, if we're not connected to the source, if his seed, his word, his nature is not the source of our wisdom, then we are. Our flesh is. I'm not talking about performance, but I'm talking about performing according to his word. I'm talking about operating and according to the wisdom of God. But we can't operate in the, in the wisdom of God if, we're not, if we don't know where the source of that, if we don't get the source of that. Instead, we lean on our own understanding. Instead, we're wise in our own eyes. Instead, we turn to the philosophy of this world, of this culture, of man's assessment of the situation. I don't want man's assessment. I want God's assessment. Jesus didn't do anything without hearing from the Father. I want to hear from Him. And then as He tells me to go, do something, or say something, or be someone, or even just simply be quiet, be still, and know that He's God, I want to operate according to what He says. That's wisdom. That's the source of wisdom. That makes sense? There's a difference. I have pastored many people, and I'm not the brightest pastor out there, and I'm also not the dullest pastor out there. I'm not putting myself down, but I've pastored many people who have come to God. They discovered the source of God's wisdom in their lives. They began to operate in the wisdom of God, but they also didn't retain it. And that's where we're going with this as we, as we get to the fourth question. Um, for example, Solomon. Solomon is known as one of the wisest men who lived on the earth. He wrote the book of Proverbs. He had wisdom. We, he's known as a man of wisdom. His books are known as the wisdom books in Scripture. Yet Solomon, at the end of his life, when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he's writing as a man who lost his mind. For example, there was one time back in 2006 when I was going through a, 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 a tough season in the fall of 2006, and I was reading through the Bible, which is a good thing. That's a good place to go. But I remember on one particular day when I was really discouraged, I picked up the book of Ecclesiastes. That's where I was. I actually read the Bible through, I read the Bible through within a four-month period of time from Genesis to Revelation. And I was, I was reading a lot. And that particular day when I was discouraged, it was, it was my day to read Ecclesiastes. In the midst of all my folly, in the midst of all my discouragement, I come to the verse that says, Vanity, vanity, everything is vanity. And I'm like, pretty much. Pretty much. That's how exactly how I felt. But luckily, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't base my life on that. It seemed like that in that season, in that moment. But Solomon was a man who had wisdom. But somewhere along the way, he wasn't even retaining what the wisdom he had. In the wisdom that he's taught most of us through his writings. He lost it. I didn't say he lost it all. But anyone who, who takes on 700 wives and 400, 300 concubines has lost it. Okay? That will, just that alone will give you insanity and vanity. Okay? Uh, so anyway, it just, uh, 
anyway, we're not going to go there. We'll keep it civil. But uh, anyway, it just. Uh, um, but as an example, just because you have the wisdom of God, it doesn't mean you're retaining it. And that's where we're going to go with this series. Okay? Making sense so far? We good? Yeah. So we're going to start tackling the, the first question. Where is wisdom found? Okay? This is not going to be an exhaustive source of this. But uh, ultimately, let me just give you the short answer. God is the source of wisdom. God, His Word, is the source of wisdom. We talked a lot at length last week how the message of the cross, Jesus, is the source of wisdom. So I'm not astray from that. That is my, my, the short answer. We spent last week talking a lot about that. We were comparing two kinds of wisdom. I want to real quick go back to Genesis chapter 3 where we uh, were last week, and uh, I'm not going to spend like, a lot of time here, I just want to revisit this real quick. Genesis chapter 3, and we'll look at verse 6, but again, let me just re re reiterate part of the story, and that is, Satan came to Eve, and the first thing he said to her, did God really say? That's, a, that's his MO. God will always get you to question of God. Satan will always get you to question his word. In other words, God will get you to question the wisdom of God. God, did I say that right? Okay, let me say it, because I don't know what I said. God will always, I mean, excuse me. Satan will always get you to question God. Satan will always get you to question God's word. So in the essence, if God is a source and his word is a source... Satan will always get you to question the wisdom of God. That makes sense? Did I say it right that time? Okay. I know what I meant to say, but uh, sometimes what comes out is a totally different thing altogether. Okay. Um, let me just say this. The devil is void of wisdom. He's void of it. It does not exist. But in verse 6, we pick it up when uh, the story, and I'm, that's really all I'm going to focus on here in this passage. But verse 6, so when the woman Eve saw that the tree was good for food, that was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of that fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband Adam with her, and he ate with her. That tells me that Adam was there too. He wasn't just on her own wandering around. Adam was right there the whole time. So, anyway, uh, that's, well, we're not going to go there right now, but he was there during this whole conversation with Eve and Satan. Okay? Anyway, that's, that's not my main point this morning. But uh, there's three things that are listed here. That when Eve saw the fruit, she saw that it was good for food. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. And kind of highlight, because of what we're talking about, she saw it was desirable to make one wise. We talked a little bit last week about how both the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil are wise, or the wisdom. One is the wisdom of man, the other one is the wisdom of God. Why do they both sound wise? Because they are. They both have, a, they're both, they both are wisdom. But one is the wisdom of man, and the other is the wisdom of God. Even by saying that, sometimes that still boggles our mind. How can they both be wisdom? They get two different kinds of wisdom. But if the one will sound wise, 
Having been out of sin is pleasurable for a season. If sin wasn't pleasurable for a season, people wouldn't be doing it. It wouldn't be so enticing. There is a sugarcoat to the wisdom of man. It sounds good. It sounds logical. It makes sense in the natural standpoint. The supernatural doesn't make sense. It doesn't make logic. God's ways are not higher are higher than our ways. We know that. But let, real quick, let me just cross-reference this with 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And every teacher I've seen, including Andrew in his commentary, reference 1 John chapter 2 to Genesis 3, 6. For all that is in the world, all that is in where? The world. So we're talking about the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Let's read that again. For all that is in where? The world. The lust of the flesh, one thing. The lust of the eyes, two. And the pride of life, three. Is not of the Father, but is where? Of the world. Its source is not God. Its source is the world. Three things are listed in, in Genesis 3, 6. Three things are listed here in 1 John 2, 16. And every, every scholar I've read, including Andrew in his commentary, linked these three together. That, the good, that, that when Esau, that the, the fruit was good for fruit, they linked that to the lust for, for the flesh. And the lust of the eyes, for when she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. And desire to make one wise is the pride of life. If you, if you were to fast forward and you read Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter for you'll see the temptations of Jesus. And she, he also had three temptations. We're not going to go there this morning. There's a lot I can gain out of this, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time with this because it's not a major point. But I do want to make this point is that the source of this wisdom, the source of this, 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 this desire to make one wise, a pride of life, is not from God. It's from where? The world. Because we're talking about, specifically right now, we're talking about the source of wisdom. And the source of this wisdom is not God. The source of this wisdom is this world. That make sense? Genesis 1.11 says, Every seed will produce after its own kind. So if the source of this wisdom is from the world, the fruit of this wisdom will be what? Worldly. It will be sensual, earthly, demonic, or devilish, which we talked about last week. Does that make sense? I'm trying to connect those dots. But let me make this, this statement, just even in, in, the, in, in reference to the, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's not that God is against us knowing good and evil. He wants us to know it from His perspective. He wants, by His Spirit, He wants to lead us into what's good and evil, not man's assessment of what good and evil. In other words, God is the source, not the world, of defining or discerning what is good and what is evil. See, without God, without His Word, without His Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, we in the flesh cannot discern between the wisdom of man or this world 
and the wisdom of God. We need God. We need His Spirit. We need His Word. His Word that He speaks is Spirit and life. It's inspired by the Spirit of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 We need God's Word. We need His perspective. We need Him to be the source so we can discern between good and evil. Light and dark. Right and wrong. Between what is of God and what is the devil. The devil's primary weapon, his primary MO, is deception. And we've talked about it many times in this church. When you are deceived, you don't know it. That's the danger of deception. He was deceiving Eve. Paul writes in Corinthians, I, one of the greatest fears that Paul, the apostle, had is that in the same way that the, the, the devil was able to beguile Eve, that the, the, the devil will beguile us. And in these last days, Jesus warns us in Matthew 24 that there will be a great deception, a great delusion of even the elect. We need the wisdom of God to discern what is good and evil in these days. And it cannot be man's assessment. It must be the wisdom of God. Does that make sense? We're talking about the source. But I'm kind of going out of a different way. God's the source, and we need that source to discern the difference. The other source will appear wise, but it's, it's not of the Father. God's not the source. The world is. It's natural. And to be carnally or naturally minded is death. That's why when they partake of this fruit, of the knowledge of good and evil, God says you will surely die because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, natural wisdom is death. Paul said that in Romans 8, 6. You see that connection? 1 John 1, 5 says this, God is light and in them there is no darkness. In God there's only light. And when something's dark, you need the light to see. We need the light of God's wisdom. We need God to see and discern between what is good and what is evil. The enemy works like with a shroud and with deception so that we can't discern all the time what's good and evil, what's God and what's the devil. There will be a day when that will come to light. But I don't know about you, but I, want, I don't want to go through a bunch of junk and then find out that some of the junk I was experiencing and living and believing was darkness, was evil. And we're finding that even in church today that people are having a hard time in some areas to discern what is good and evil. Okay, let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5. Is it making sense so far? Isaiah chapter 5, we're going to pick it up in verse 20. And I just don't have time to read the first 19 verses this morning. But the first 19 verses, in those verses, uh, God is saying how Israel was God's vineyard. He was God's chosen nation. His people. See, God separated Israel, expecting good grapes. 
but instead it says that he got bitter grapes. He did not want her, a people that was self-righteous. He wanted his people to know the goodness of God. But she, Israel, this nation, his people, became a people who did not know the Lord, who forgot the Lord, who didn't have any knowledge of God. And there's many people today that we know in our world who have no knowledge of God. Even some people that we knew that once did have the knowledge of God. We've known people who've gone to Bible school. We know people who've been on the mission field. We know people who've been used influentially in ministry, who, for whatever reason, they're not walking with the Lord today. They have no knowledge of God today. And they're not walking in wisdom. And, and in some ways it's a, a form of spiritual adultery, which I'm not going to go into all that detail right now. But that, this is the context. This is the people he's talking to here in Isaiah chapter 5. And, 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 and let me just say this. In these last days, in Paul's letters, Peter, James, Jesus says a lot in Matthew 24 and other references that in these last days, all these men, including Jesus and Paul, warn us of the mystery of iniquity that is already at work in these last days. He talks about the increase of lawlessness that is at work. And you just look at the news. You just hear it through the, through the streams of Facebook, for example. And there is lawlessness. That is increasing in our society. And it's increasing in some ways and sometimes even in the church. The world is void of the wisdom of God. And Jesus, again, I said this before, but Jesus said in Matthew 24, in these last days, that the enemy will deceive even some of the elect. I don't, I'm not going to go into all that right now, but I do know this. Jesus, Paul, all of the apostles warned us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We need the wisdom of God so we're not deceived. I'm not so much talking about losing the salvation of us, but how many of you know you can be stuck and you can go through a lot of junk because you don't know the wisdom of God and whatnot. But in verse 20, God says here, verse 20, Isaiah 5, 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. This word woe, we don't use it much today. The New Living Translation calls it Sor sorrow, and it says it this way, sorrow for those who call good evil. Well to those. It's, it's sorrowful for those who call good evil and evil good. Who call darkness for light and light for darkness and bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And he, he, he actually restates what Proverbs 3.7 says, those who are wise in their own eyes, in their own sight. Um, see, if, again, if in context, in Isaiah chapter 5, God was desiring a good vineyard, but then he came bitter. 
And we need the wisdom of God to discern between what is good and what is evil. And what is light, what is dark, what is sweet, what is bitter. Even in James chapter 3, James compares, when, we talk, when we're comparing wisdom, the first part of the chapter, he talks about when we praise the Lord with our lips, but we speak evil toward one another. He compares it with bitter water and good water from the same stream. He says, brothers, you say love yourself. And our, our society today, and even some circles within the church today, are confused at what is good and what is evil. There's people today who are calling things that are evil good and things that are good we talked a little bit about Wayne, Wayne last week from First Corinthians. People today call what we call the gospel. They call it. They, they, they despise it. They reject it. They mock it. They are angry. They hate this message. We have had more people hate us over the message of the righteousness of God by faith. We have had more people hate us about loving one another in the body of Christ. We have had more people hate us because we preach grace. We preach righteousness. We've had people hate us because we talk about healing. And we talk about prosperity. People hate us for the gospel that we preach. They call what we preach evil. And what they preach good. And and uh, not just us. There's other people. There's, you look on Facebook. I see Christians. People I know who are Christians talking and embracing. For example, Harry Potter, Pokemon, some of these other things, they call them good. And if you if you if you discern the wisdom of God, they are pure evil. And I'm not here to ruffle feathers, I'm not here to, 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 to speak judgment on anybody or anything. That's not what I'm saying. But I uh, but woe to us who call good evil and evil good. It's a circle thing. It's dangerous. It's dangerous because the the source of evil is not God. You are tapping into the wrong source. Let's go. Uh, all this is going into uh, where, where is wisdom found? And I'm talking about the source of wisdom by and large. And we can see the different sources. But all uh, these thoughts together, I'm going to try to connect them. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. Hopefully, I'm making sense this morning. Wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief courses, our concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. Um, that's what we're to mean in Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs 8, beginning verse 2. Of these passages kind of go together. She, she, he's talking about wisdom. She, wisdom, takes her stand on the top of the high hill beside the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the door. In other words, what I'm trying to portray with both of these passages of Scripture from Solomon in Proverbs 1 and Proverbs chapter 8 is that wisdom is crying out to in other words, wisdom is not elusive. It's not hard to come by. 
It's seeking us out. It's not quiet. It's crying out. It's not hidden in some corner. It's not hidden in some back alley. It's in the concourse. It's in the streets. It's everywhere. God has placed wisdom everywhere for those who are looking for it. It's at the entry point of the city. Everyone walks by it. Wisdom is not hard to be found. <coughs> Wisdom is crying out to us. But few are listening. And why are they not listening? And this goes back with the parable of the sower. They're drowned out by the voices of the world. They're choked out by the cares of this world, the lust for many things, the pride of life, the wisdom of the world. I'm tired of a lot of different verses that we just read in verse John and even our last teaching series on the, on the gospel of the kingdom. See, those who say they are seeking wisdom and cannot find it are deceived. If wisdom is crying out in the streets, if wisdom is crying out everywhere, and that's what the Word of God says, and people are searching for it, and they say they can't find it, they're deceived. That makes sense, what I'm just saying? If, 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 if wisdom is everywhere, and it's crying out to you, and you can't find it, you tell me you're searching for it, but you can't find it, then something is wrong. With your perception. Because it's everywhere. It's crying out in the streets. It's crying out to you. But let's look at it in just a second. We'll switch gears. Well, let's go there first. Let's go to Job. Job 28. Let's look at another perspective for this. It's going to sound like it's contradicting. Hopefully I can tie this together. Job 28. We'll start with verse 12. It says, But where can wisdom be found? That's a very logical question. That's the question we're trying to answer. And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, It's not in me. And the sea says, It's not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold. Nor can silver be weighed for its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir. Its precious onyx or sapphire. Neither gold nor crystals can equal it. Nor can it be exchanged for jewelry or fine gold. No mention shall be made of quarrel or quartz. For the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it. Nor can it be valued in pure gold. For where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? Job is saying, where is it going to be found? It can't be found in the sea. It can't be found in, in the animals. It can't be found. It can't be purchased. It can't be bought. Now, Solomon just said in Proverbs 1 and 8 that wisdom is everywhere. Job says wisdom can't be found in the sea. It can't be found in all these jewels and gold. I believe wisdom is everywhere. However, when we, when God is not our source, 
And how many know in the story of Job, he didn't have the very best counselors? He already said it that, and I think in verse 13, that man does not know its value. Man can't understand it. Man doesn't know where to find it. Because he's asked, he asked us twice, once in verse 20, once in verse 1, where is wisdom now? Where is it? But let me just say this. There, through the years, I've heard different groups, and a lot of these are not orally, or scientists, or whatever, uh, perspectives. But they'll make statements like, wisdom is found in the dolphin. Wisdom is found in the whale. Wisdom is found in the eagle. They'll use, I'm just paraphrasing a lot of what they've said. But they're looking to creation. They're looking to animals, the sea, for wisdom. I believe wisdom is everywhere. But the dolphin is not the source of the wisdom. The eagle is not the source of the wisdom. God is the source of the wisdom. God, the, in other words, the creation is not the source. The creator of the creation is the source. That makes sense? God is everywhere because God created everything. The creation should, split, should lead you to the creator. The creation is not going to lead you to itself. That makes sense? If we're looking to the creation as wisdom, we got it wrong. The creation is giving glory to his handiwork. To he's a creator. So therefore, creation is wisdom is everywhere, pointing to it God created the heavens and the earth by wisdom, did he not? So wisdom is everywhere, but it's going to point you to God, Jesus, the Creator, not to the creation. That makes sense? So where is it found? And well, verse 21, let's keep reading. It is hidden from the eyes of all living things, and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears. Verse 23, God understands its way. Well, whose way? Wisdom. And he knows his place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees under the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind and a portion, uh, a portion by the waters by measure. When he made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt, then he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it indeed. He searched it out. Verse 28, and to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. As Proverbs would say in Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. We'll read verse 28 again. And to man God said, Behold, the fear of the Lord is that, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. God said, wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord. We're going to get into talking more about the fear of the Lord. Hopefully by next week we'll get into a lot of that. I've been throwing a lot of teasers, I know, towards that direction. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when I talk about fear, let me just say this. We're not talking about being afraid of God. 
talking about a wholesome fear that respects God, that respects His Word, that honors Him. We're talking about a fear that is an awe of God. Even as Job said here in Job 28, 28, it's forsaking sin. Proverbs 1, 7, we'll get into this later, but the wisdom of God is the beginning of knowledge. We're going to be talking about knowledge. We're going to be talking about understanding, especially as we get into the, the pillars of wisdom. Okay? But he also makes a statement here, I forget where it's at, um, excuse me, verse 21, it, wisdom, is hidden from the eyes of all living. It's hidden from natural man. Man cannot see it. Man cannot perceive it from a natural eye. With that, I just want to detour for a moment and uh, go to a couple of references uh, where, where I didn't finish quite last week. Uh, if you remember last week, I didn't quite finish. I want to kind of go back to some of that, but before I do, just a couple of verses to kind of springboard that. Go with me to uh, 1 Corinthians 1.30. 1 Corinthians 1.30. And I kind of zero in on this part that wisdom is hidden from man. Now verse 30 says, or 1 Corinthians 1, 30 says, But of him, Jesus, you are, of, of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Wisdom is found. Pick up where I ask, where is wisdom? Wisdom is found in Christ. Okay? The creator, the savior of the world. Go with me to Colossians 2, 3. Got a couple different verses here as we go back to where we were last week. It says, in, in whom, he's talking about Christ, he's talking about of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. Making sense so far? Let's go back with go back with me. Let's go to First uh, Corinthians chapter two. I didn't get here last week, so we're taking a little detour to go back and I try to tie this in to where we're at now. Hopefully, I'm making sense. I'm not losing you with the direction of things. And Paul says, "And I, brethren." When I came to you, Paul's talking, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, but the wisdom of man, declaring to you the testimony of God. God didn't, he didn't come with the wisdom of man. Verse 2, For I determined to know, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I don't know about you, but that's the type of person I want to be. I don't pretend to know anything. But to know this, that Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I might not win at trivia. I might not know a lot of things. And there might be even a lot of doctrines I'm not very well versed on. But church, there's one thing I want to be well versed on. There's one thing I want to teach in this church is that Christ and Him crucified. That makes sense? Verse 3. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Of what kind of wisdom? Human wisdom. But in demonstration of the Spirit 
and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of who? Men. But in the power of God. My heart as a pastor, my heart as a minister of God's word, my heart as a, a brother in Christ is that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, me or anyone else, Andrew Womack or anyone else, excuse me. My heart as a pastor is that your faith is in, not in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. The whole reason why I'm going, one of the main reasons I'm going through this whole teaching on wisdom is not so that you will be wise with intellect, not that you will be wise in the wisdom of man, but that you will be wise in the wisdom of God so that you can experience the power of God. Am I making sense? Because that's where the source is. I don't want you to trust me. I want you to trust Christ in me. I want you to trust the Christ that I preach, not me. That makes sense? It's not that I don't want to trust you, but I, I don't want you to put your faith in me. I'm not the source. And I'm not saying I have everything done right, but there's one thing I want to communicate, and that is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want you to know the power of God, experience the power of God, not trusting me. I'm not trying to build some kingdom, some dynasty. I'm trying to preach Christ. I'm trying to get you to the source of wisdom. So that you can experience it and demonstrate the power of God in your lives. Verse 7. Scroll down with me. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Now wait, hold on. You just read in Proverbs that wisdom is everywhere. It's not hidden. And here Paul in the New Testament, I mean, this is, seems like it's backwards. The Old Testament, Proverbs, says wisdom is everywhere. Paul in the New Testament says that wisdom is hidden. It's a mystery. It's the hidden mystery of God, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. See, <clears throat> Sorry, I'm just looking at my notes here for a second. Excuse me. Verse 8. Just look at verse 8. Which the rulers of this age, which not... Uh, let me read that again. Excuse me. Sorry. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, the wisdom is everywhere, but between... When God... Established the gospel until the church age. The gospel, the message of the cross, which we talked about last week in First Corinthians seventeen. First Corinthians seven, excuse me. First Corinthians one seventeen. Last week we talked about how the cross is the message of the cross is the wisdom of God. Last week we talked in First Corinthians one twenty four how Christ is the wisdom of God. And since the beginning of time, till the finished work of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, Christ, the, the, which is the wisdom of God, was hidden from mankind. 
More importantly, it wasn't hidden from mankind. It was hidden from the rulers of this age. It was written from the, that's what it says here in the, First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 8, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the king of glory. If Satan knew about the power of the message of the cross, if Satan knew the power of the crucified Christ and the resurrected Christ, if Satan knew the power of Christ and, and the finished work of the cross, he would never have crucified the king of glory. He would never have done that because the very pillar, the very foundation, the very source of wisdom is the cross. And Satan did not, instead of trying to dispel the wisdom of God, he inaugurated it, in a sense. If I can use it that way. He, he, he thought he had a great plan of crucifying Jesus and doing deal with him. That's what you see in this movie, Narnia. The, 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 the great witch thought, Narnia, it was great to kill Aslan. She thought she won. But what she thought was her victory was actually her defeat. And it was the wisdom of God through the message of the cross. The world calls it foolish. The wisdom of man calls it foolish. But it's the wisdom of God. It's the power of God. It was hidden until Christ. But now that Christ has risen, it's not hidden anymore. And now, now, and now that we see the gospel, we hear the gospel, we are united with Christ, we can see wisdom everywhere. Because it's all pointing to the finished work. It's all pointing to God. It's all pointing to the Creator. It's all pointing to the Savior. I see creation. I see God's plan in marriage. I see God's plan in the womb. I see God's plan in the seeds. I see God's plan in the in God creation. I see God's plan in the animals. I see God's plan. I can preach the message. I can preach the gospel because it all talks about the wisdom of God, the gospel of Christ. It's there if you're listening. It's there if you can perceive it. In all creation, the animals, the plants, the seeds, creation, how God created the womb, how God created the body, it all points to the cross. It all points to the blood. Even science says that, that our blood, they were they put they put in ultrasound to blood. I don't know what it's called, ultrasound or what they call it, but scientifically they have put sound to blood, and everyone's blood has a song. Everyone's blood speaks. It has a song. I just imagine my blood sings, there is power in the blood of Jesus. Our creation. Speaks of our Creator, our creation. Speaks of our God, the wisdom of God, the power of God. Because I'm, I'm not just flesh and blood anymore. I am baptized into the blood of Jesus Christ. And it speaks of better things than that of Abel. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm making sense. I hope I'm making sense this morning. But yes, it was hidden, but it's not hidden anymore. It makes sense? All right, let's get back to this week's lesson. That's good. Have a little detour, but it all goes back in there. So let's switch gears here. Let's go see how much time we got. Got a little bit of time left. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3.
We've been talking a lot about this morning about the source of God's wisdom. And we were talking mainly about where is it? It's God. Before we get, uh, as you turn into 2 Timothy 3, let me just answer this, what is wisdom? And kind of just talked talk about it. The message of the cross is wisdom. The word of God is wisdom. God is wisdom. Jesus is wisdom. We saw this in 1 Corinthians 1, 17-24. God is the source of wisdom. In our first lesson, um, by he, just from the Hebrew language, wisdom is defined as skill in life. It's the proper application and knowledge and understanding. That also tells me that it's not just receiving Christ. It's not just receiving the message of the cross. It's also applying the message of the cross in my life. The communication of my Faith becomes effectual when I acknowledge every good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. Part, most of what we teach in this church is the gospel so that we hear it, we understand it, we are discipled in it so that we can apply it to our lives. I, we talked last, during our last series on the kingdom of God out of Matthew 13. That the seed that fell on four types of soil, only the seed that fell on the good soil understood the word of God. The rest of the, the soils, they all heard the word. And that is a starting point. I want us to hear the word. But even the, the, the seed that fell on the wayside heard the word. Even the seed that fell on the, on the, on the stony ground heard the word. Even the seed that fell on the, among the thorns heard the word. But the, word, the seed that fell on the good soil heard the word of God and understood it. And because it heard it and understood it, the soil of that word, of that ground, applied it and it became fruitful. That makes sense? It couldn't apply it when it had thorns. It couldn't apply it when it had, had stones. It couldn't apply it when it wasn't even implanted. It was just on the wayside. But once it got into the soil of our understanding, we receive it. We understood the Word of God. We, and we're connected to the source. We're abiding in His Word. And His Word is abiding in us. The Word will take root and it will produce. We want to hear the wisdom of God. We want to understand the wisdom of God. Because it says in Proverbs 4, 7, go get it. And with it, get understanding. We need to hear the word. We need to understand the word so that we can apply the word. We're not the source. But the word that we're applying is the source. When I, the car is out of gasoline, I can turn the key all day long and it's not going to work. Yesterday I went to the man's fellowship and I forgot to turn the lights off. After I come out, the lights are still on. Great, I'm so glad that there was enough juice in that battery to keep the car still going. All's well that is well, okay? But at the same point in time, I'm not the source of gasoline and I'm not the source of the battery. And if, if, guess what happens when you run out of gas? You have to go get some. I'm not getting gas so I can run. I'm getting gas so the car can run. I know that's a silly illustration. You can put gasoline in me all day, and I won't light up. Just don't light a match. You know, I'm not trying to be gross or anything, but God's the source. 
And we have in this, uh, in these jars of clay, to show that the excellency is of God and not of us. Second Corinthians 4, I think it's verse 6 or 7. We're just a jar. We're just clay. But in this jar of clay is an excellency to show that the power is of God and not of us. But I don't, want, I don't know about you, but I don't want that power in me. And I go all my days until Jesus comes and I never apply that power. I will have the power so that I can apply the power and I can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. I can walk in the wisdom of God. I can speak with the wisdom of God. I can operate with the wisdom of God. Paul didn't want to preach anything else but the wisdom of God. So if anything good happened in his ministry, and how many we know a lot of good things happened in Paul's ministry, it is still happening today. It's still, we are all byproducts of Paul's ministry. But he applied the word. He didn't just get it and receive it. He applied the word. That's wisdom. That makes that make sense? He applied the knowledge. He applied the understanding. And just because you have the knowledge, just because you have the understanding, if you don't apply it, it won't work for you. It's not because it doesn't work. You're not applying it. You're not the source. It's not your performance. It's you applying it, and it's performing. When I turn on the car, and I, I'm driving down the street, no one comes to me, Dave, you perform very well. No, the car's running. I'm driving it. And, and thankful with some, some good wisdom, I'm driving between the lines, I'm driving when I should, I stop when I should, I, I go when I should, I go as fast as I should, not faster, not slower than I should, I use the turn signals when I should, I do all the different things when I should, but I'm not performing, the car is performing. I'm operating the car, I'm applying the wisdom of how to operate that car and how to drive within the laws of our culture. But I'm not doing the performing. The vehicle's doing the performing. In a sense, I'm performing the vehicle. In that sense, I'm operating it. But I'm not, I don't get the credit. The car did it all. The car makes me look good. But the car did it all. That makes sense? Okay. I can use them. There are some other analogies, too. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. I'm using some of my time up with some of that. I've got about 15 minutes left. 2 Timothy chapter 3. It helps if I get there too. We're going to start with verse 12. I have read and quoted 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 many times, but I want to go further upstream and so a little more context here that we don't normally look at. Verse 12. Yes, in all who desire to live godly, where? In Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. Most of us don't like to hear that. But yes, all of us who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and postures will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's huge right there. I know we don't like to hear that. But Paul says evil men will grow worse and worse. Have we not seen that in our society? And people will be deceived and people will, dece will, be, will, will deceive others. That will grow. And Jesus and Paul said the same thing. So if we're going to, if the if the chances of being deceived are high, we need the wisdom of God. Are you guys hearing that? 
I'm not saying that as to, as to scare anybody. I'm not saying this to worry anybody. But as a pastor, I am encouraging us. I am exhorting us. We need the wisdom of God because the days will become more deceiving and evil will grow. Don't just, don't just read over these phrases we don't like. There's wisdom with that. When you know you're going to be in a battle, it's wisdom to prepare for that battle. That makes sense? We need to know, in a sense, we need, to be, we need the wisdom of God to not be deceived. Because the days are going to get evil. And the, the number one M.O. of any kind of evil is deception. And the biggest danger about deception is when you're deceived, you don't know it. If you know you're deceived, you're not deceived. That's an oxymoron. You can't not be deceived and know you're deceived. That makes sense? The, the number one thing evil tries to do is deceive. That is its number one evil MO. Verse 14. But you must continue in the things you have learned. We have all learned some things. I don't know about you, but Sherry and I, we have grown, especially between 2009, 2013-ish, we have grown a lot since that time till now. We have learned some things. We're still learning some things. We have not learned everything, but we have learned some things. Continue in the things which you have already learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. We might have learned them through Andrew and through Lawson Bernou and Arthur Menchus and other people, Barry Bennett. But we've learned them by the Spirit of God. We've learned them by the Word of God. We've learned them by the wisdom of God. Verse 15. And from childhood. Now, again, Paul's talking to Timothy. Who's Timothy? Timothy is a pastor. Timothy is a young pastor. I usually like to call him his apprentice. He's telling his apprentice, he's telling his young pastor what to do. And he's telling Timothy, and that from your childhood, in fact, from childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Faith is in Christ Jesus. But the key phrase I'm looking at, from your childhood, from your youth, you have known the scriptures, and the scriptures are able to make you wise unto salvation. This verse right here answers a lot of the questions that we just talked about. The scriptures, I mean, the scriptures are not the ink, it's, the, it's a person, his name is Jesus. But the scriptures, the word of God, will make you wise for salvation. You have received salvation in Christ. You have received faith in Christ. But just because you have received salvation doesn't mean you're wise to salvation or for salvation. I want to understand. I want to be, I want to be discipled. That's what discipleship is for. A discipleship is a scholar, is a student, is a pupil. Is, 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 and we are studying the Word of God so we become wise. You show me someone who is learning the Word of God, and I will show you someone who's becoming wise. 
You show me someone who is not who's not valuing God's word, I will show you someone who's becoming unwise. Because if you are not valuing God's word, you are learning from something. You're either learning from God or you're learning from man. Let me just say this. I don't want to sound like I'm judging people. I believe in the gifts. I believe in prophecy. But I know prophecy is not the only gift. I believe in miracles. I believe in operating in faith. I believe in healing. I believe in the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I also believe in prophecy. I also believe that we're lacking in operating in the gifts as we should as a church. We should be operating them very normally, very regularly. At the same point in time, I know people, and they mean well, so I'm not judging them in that sense. But I know some people, they won't spend any time in the Word. But they will go, they will try to get a word, a prophecy from somebody. They, in a sense, they will lust for a word from somebody. Instead, but they have no relationship with the Word, or very little relationship with the Word, or only what the pastor teaches, which sometimes is not very little word anyway, it's just philosophy. I'm not downplaying prophecy. But when we elevate prophecy over the Word of God, which is wisdom, our relationship with God, which is wisdom, something's out of whack. That makes sense. Makes sense. If I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to sound judgmental with this. But sometimes when it's in that context, it's almost as if prophecy, in that sense, becomes fortune telling versus. And I'm not saying that's the case, and we're not, and I, in my heart, I just know about this, I want a relationship with God. I want to hear what He says. I don't need to hear it secondhand through someone else as my primary source. My primary source needs to be God and His Word. I'm okay with getting confirmation and affirmation through a prophecy. But, and if I'm not listening, sometimes a prophecy needs to get my attention. And so, and so I'm not against prophecy. And again, I think we need to do it more. But I know some people are more thirsty, more craving a word for the day from someone than they are the word of God. That's wrong. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. Because how are you going to know it's from God if you don't know what the word of God says? How are you going to distinguish it's a word from God and not a word from the flesh? You're only going to know it by the plumb line of the word of God. I can tell when something is from God or not, just not because it feels good, not because it seems right. That can be sometimes a criteria to a certain level. But the, my main plumb line of knowing it's from God is, does it agree with Scripture? It may not be scripture as far as word for word, but the principle that, that is being conveyed in that prophecy better line up with the word of God. If it does not line up with the word of God, I will not receive it. I need to know the word of God so I can discern what prophecy is. But some people, they're getting words from God and they have no clue what the word of God says. That is dangerous. That is a path that is prone to be deceived. That makes sense? 
I'm saying this uh, in love. But Paul is telling young Timothy, from childhood you have known the scriptures, which have made you wise to salvation. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get into all this. I have about eight minutes left. Um, excuse me, I'm just catching up with my, my notes. You know, um, there's four categories. Let's read verse 16, 17. There's all scripture, and all scripture is the scripture he's talking about that makes us wise to salvation. All scripture that makes us wise to salvation is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Why do we need to be complete, equipped for every good work? We need wisdom. We need wisdom to be equipped. You know, whenever I had a job, I don't care what vocation it was, I didn't mind doing that job if I knew how to do that job. Whether it was doing bookkeeping, accounting, retail. You know, one time I had a job retail. Uh, they put me in, on, on Black Friday, they put me in the electronics department, which I know nothing about electronics. I know nothing about phones and iPads and whatnot. Black Friday, the biggest crowd of the year. And they put me in the registers. The problem with that is they never trained me how to operate the register. And how to learn how to operate the register on Black Friday is not the good time. I wouldn't have mind doing that job if I knew what I was doing. But when I didn't know what I was doing, I was embarrassed, I was frustrated, and I was making the people in line frustrated. Because they're waiting, they're waiting, and I have no clue what I'm doing. I tried to warn them, I tried to ask them, to train me, I don't, train me, train me, train me, they didn't train me. And it was a very miserable day for everybody. But I endured, and obviously I, I made it, I didn't, I didn't get uh, uh, st stampede on, like some people have in Black Friday. Anyway, I'm not going there. But if we're going to be equipped in these last days, even throughout the last days apart, just to be equipped to minister effectively, and we're all able ministers, and we need to be equipped thoroughly for every good work, we need the wisdom of God. We need the wisdom of God. We need the wisdom. I need the wisdom of God, the pastor. I need the wisdom of God as a husband. I need the wisdom of God as a, as a fellow brother in Christ. I need the wisdom of God to be thoroughly equipped. But I know if I have the wisdom of God, I am equipped. I'm not going to have time to go into all four of these right now, but there's four categories that Paul lists in here. Lists here in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, and the, the four are it's doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And we're gonna we're gonna pick up here next week and we're gonna look at these four categories of how we because we're talking about in our question, we're talking about how we get the wisdom. We've talked a lot about where it's found. I can't say I exhausted that, but it's the, the short answer is found in Christ. It's found in his word. We talked about what wisdom is. It's Christ. It's his message. It's the gospel. 
And that, what we're going to pick up next week is with these four categories, we'll talk about how do we operate in wisdom. We need doctrine. In other words, we need to be taught. Some people don't like this word, but we need to be reproved. We need to be at times rebuked. You don't. You show me a child who doesn't has never been chastised, never been reproved. They are a learned child. You show me an athlete who has never been coached well. You show any. You show me any good coach or any good athlete, whether, he, whether he's an Olympian or whether he's a uh, some other type of sport. He's going to be coached by a very tough coach. We need reproof. We need chastising. Not to destroy us. But we need to know what we're doing wrong. We also need correction. We need to know what we're doing right. And we need discipline. We need instruction. We need these things. A lot of people, especially under grace, have shied away from this. This is the grace of God. The grace of God will teach us to deny ungodliness. The, the grace of God, the love of God, the mercy of God will teach, and I've got to bring this out next week, will teach us, will guide us, and hopefully we'll, we'll steer this towards the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You show me someone who does not fear the Lord, doesn't have a reference of respect for God and His Word. You show me someone who's not doesn't have sound doctrine. You show me someone who does not has not been reproved by the Word of God. You show me someone who's not been instructed by the Word of God or corrected by the Word of God. He will show me someone who's not equipped and is not ready for every good work. They are a candidate to be deceived by the enemy because they have been unlearned. They are unequipped and they are not ready for by the enemy. My job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. I know the days are evil. I know the time is short. I know the enemy is trying to is trying to sift us like wheat, like he did Peter. Or like he tried Peter. We need the wisdom of God. I'm not saying these things to hurt us. I'm saying these to warn us. For example, if the bridge is down, are you not going to warn people the bridge is down? I'm not saying, I'm not speaking to anything specifically in this message. I'm just saying that, the, that we need the wisdom of God so we know when the, when the bridge is down. And if someone is going down the wrong path, we need to have wisdom, and they need wisdom to know, hey, I need some correction. I need, I'm going down the wrong road, and this path is for destruction. Wisdom is crying out in the streets, but not everyone's listening to wisdom. We're talking about the source of wisdom. We're not quite done. We'll just pick up here next week. And then we'll move forward from there. That making sense? Don't forget to change your clocks next week. Uh, so, because uh, it won't be the same bad time, the same bad channel, if you don't change your clocks next week. Uh, so, okay. Uh, but anyway, we'll be here next week. We'll pick up where we left off. God bless you as we go. And we'll see you next week, if not tonight. God bless.